Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, Julian Ryan is a communication catalyst who engages her audiences in creative ways that promote constructive interactions and authentic conversations. Hello, Julianne. Hello there. Good to talk to you. Great. Great to have you on our broadcast today. I did just a quick intro of you, and I'm hoping you could spend a few more minutes telling folks a little bit about your background as well as how you do what you do today. Terrific, and thank you. I spent a good chunk of my career in talent management, recruiting and building teams and doing training and engaging with groups, a lot of times on the operation side, supply chain side, and marketing and sales. And somewhere in the, in the past, I started to realize that the best tool I had to use was to communicate through stories and also get other people to start to listen to their own stories, appreciate it, and learn how to tell them better. Whether it was in interviews, whether it was trying to figure out ways they could develop in their career and recognize their gifts. Uh, and also, I also went out and started to get behind uh, mics in on podiums in front of large groups, as well as in... Um, corporate settings where I've been invited to speak to groups and give them some thoughts of wisdom and hopefully make them smile in the meantime. Well, everybody loves a good story. And I'm just wondering, Julianne, if you think, you know, does storytelling in itself require bravery? Does it require a skill or the need to be able to share something with folks that you want to share in order to convey a thought or an idea or uh, a message? It does, because in order to take a real story, a personal story, a professional story, and tell it well, we need to be put ourselves in the position to be vulnerable and be authentic. And our audience, whether it's an audience of one or many, recognizes that in us. They recognize when we're not just giving them bullet points or a sales pitch or something that's totally left brain logic. So in order to tell a good story, you really have to get out there and throw yourself and uh, let the person experience you as it is 
And also tell that story with a purpose. You need to know why you're telling it, what your end is. And as opposed to stories for pure entertainment, when I tell a story to motivate and to teach or engage, most exciting moment is when I get to step away and listen to other people start to share and do the same. We've heard from other guests about the word vulnerability and I'm a little bit of a new student to that word because it's interesting how people interact with it. A lot of people are afraid to be vulnerable or think it's a sign of weakness or uh, timidity, you know, whatever it might be. You know, what are your experiences in either meeting people who don't want to be vulnerable or helping them be more vulnerable at work? Well, I want to just address the word vulnerable to begin with. We would not have heard this in a conversation in a business format 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So I think listening to the anthropology of conversations, the fact that we're using words like authentic and being present and being vulnerable is really important and gives me hope. So I think that's my key learning that I always, when I'm listening to speeches or other people, I listen to their word choices and I'm hearing more and more people use that language, including women, which I think is very exciting we are taking strides forward to really presenting our whole story, the why of our story when we're engaging. And I think that is the most important thing we can be doing with our teams and our um, in families too. It doesn't have to be just work in any situation. Have you met people, Julianne, who don't want to be vulnerable or have a struggle in, in being vulnerable with others? Absolutely. And it's not, it's not my job or should be my role to force fit a situation they're not comfortable. But if somebody tells me a fact or something from their background that's simple, that could be a huge step for them. So that may be their um, how they're experiencing vulnerability, and that's okay. So my point here is we, I need to meet people where they are. And I encourage other people to do that, not to fit our agenda, but to work with that individual or just receive and listen to them as they are. Well, I love that perspective because, you know, what we believe is that bravery comes in all shapes and sizes. And somebody might do something that we perceive to be very minor, but for them was a huge step in being braver uh, at the workplace or saying or doing something that needed to be said or done. So, you know, Meeting them where they are, I think, is what you're saying versus where we are is a great way to help them make good progress. One of the things I've come to realize, and it's taken a long time because when, you know, when I say or anybody says I'm going to be funny, I have to clarify my humor is about saying that I see you or I recognize a truth or a vulnerability in all of us. And I'm making light of it so we can appreciate take some of the tension out of the air and then move forward to learning and getting out of our own way. So it is an important tool and sometimes it's the best icebreaker I can provide myself and others to start to build a trusting relationship, which is really what I'm looking for when I'm working with groups. Yeah. You know, I always worry anytime somebody approaches me and says, Hey Ed, I have a funny joke for you. I'm like, well, you know, let me let me be the judge of that. You, why don't you tell it first? <laughs> I'll let you know if it's funny. But 
I'm going to share a technique I use since I was in human resource and people would share some interesting facts about themselves. I had this mechanism that was useful most of the time. I would visualize the most scary, craziest thing I could think of while I was listening because that would help me have a little bit more of a poker face when I was getting ready for what is this thing that they're going to share. And then sometimes it wasn't too bad. And I was like, okay, I worried for nothing. But you always have to hold your breath a little bit. Well, I'm sure we all have those little strategies that we do in order to navigate challenging situations. How about you, Julianne? When you think of the word bravery mm. in the workplace, what words or phrases might come to mind for you? Bravery to me is finding ways to speak our mind and use our voice truthfully and connect with somebody and taking a chance, taking a risk to speak up. Now, speaking up could be in a group. Now we're in these Zoom worlds with little square boxes or offline. Whatever it is that helps get my point or somebody else's point along. The other thing I've been thinking a lot about since you and I were talking is I think we can benefit others by helping them be brave in modeling either by example or supporting them when we see a colleague stick their neck out and give an opinion that might be a surprise or take a group process in a different direction that we don't go, well, good for you. <laughs> you get to be the one taking the total risk. Let me just let you go in and take all the joy and pain of that. It's really helpful if you step up in some ways or just say something affirmation like that's very interesting. I'm glad you voiced that. This has been a concern. So Bravery goes many different directions. So the more you can help others be brave and do things, the better off you're going to be in the work situation. I think that's where collaboration starts to really take foot. If we can share what's going right as well as what's going wrong. And a lot of times that I think that could be a very interesting exercise. And maybe this is in your book. Uh, so I'll be curious, like and bravery, um, an audit and basically a list or making a a list is saying, where wasn't I brave and why was that? What was triggering? What was the script that I had in my head telling me don't speak up or don't do something? And I think we harvest a lot of good information if we did that. Well, I love a couple of the recommendations that you've made, whether you know that you've made them or not. One is this domino effect, right? That if something, you know, we talk a lot on the podcast about you being brave, you saying what needs to be said or doing what needs to be done. But it may not be you. It might be somebody else in your group who says something that everybody's been waiting for someone to say and no one has ever said it and they say it. And what a fantastic opportunity for you to echo it and say, gee, it's funny Julianne said that. I feel the same way or I experienced the same thing because then everyone might start feeling it and that might influence the outcome even better. You know, you can't take City Hall on alone, right? So if a group of people feel a certain way, it may influence an outcome better than uh, just one person. And then the second idea, which takes work, but can be very, very effective, especially in our world of coaching, is uh, logging or you know thinking and reflecting back on something that you didn't say or didn't do and the impact that had and what you could have done a little bit differently to make progress. It's almost self-learning or self-coaching yourself on how you can make good progress. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you we do all have to agree that there's a reason the consultants are out there and making the money they do because they help us be brave. <laughs> because how many times you've been in a meeting and somebody's the consultants there at the at the at the front of the room talking about something or like, you know, I've been saying that for years and nobody's heard me. But right. like and they get to say it and take home a very nice check for the process because <laughs> they're helping us be brave or be the interpreter and ease the information. Uh, into the, the receiver's ears. I think we, we have to smile and just, you know, pat ourselves on the back once in a while too when we have made a leap towards bravery or have helped other people been brave. Well, one of the reasons I started this podcast was because after coaching leaders for 12 years, while I was not hired to help them be brave, almost all of them had moments, conversations, activities that they needed to do that required bravery. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the roles that I played with them was an accountability partner where they would say, you know what, Ed, I've been planning on saying this to my boss for three years and I've never had the gumption to do it, but you know, I'm now going to do it and here's what I'm going to say. Let's role play it. And here's when I'm going to do it. And I'd say, great. It sounds good. Would you like me to check back with you on uh, how it went? Uh And they would say, absolutely. So, you know, it created for them accountability and a little bit more ownership by being more public Mm-hmm. With the fact that they were going to say what they needed to say. And from my perspective, Julianne, if I can help them say what needs to be said and be their accountability partner, then I'm happy to get paid for it as well. So, Well, we all know what we need to do, I think, in our heart, or at least a chunk of it. It's helping us say it or position it and get out of our own way. I think it's 99% of the rest of it. I think it is. I think it is. One of our past guests also talked about uh, assumed obstacles, right? These are obstacles that we create in our heads mm-hmm. that may may not even be there, but in a way of defending not saying something, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. you have 99 obstacles, of course, you're not going to say something. But, you know, his perspective is that the vast majority of them are, you know, assumed or crafted. How about you, Julianne? Do you have a story or a reflection from the past regarding bravery at work? I always have stories. How long do we have? (laughs) All right. So this one is from way back when I start to think about what's a story that I've always kept with me and and is a reminder every time I get in front of a group or I get, or I have to deliver uh, an impactful message. Um, And it has to do when I was a little bit earlier in my career, I was moving from talent management, strictly doing recruiting into training and other roles. And at this organization I was part of, my boss was had been on a team that was doing compensation program that was global. They were changing everything, how people were going to get rated, viewed, compensated. So not too much stress. And when it came time to roll it out, she said, well, this will be a good learning opportunity for you. You said you want to do training and organizational development. You're going to roll it out to the North American area to our different division sites. The first one I had to do was in my home office. And I have to tell you, Ed, I was scared because (laughs) there were definite flaws in the concept of one one size fits all program in this global context. There were some very good merits in this program, but there were some challenges that I knew that were not going to fit our group. So once I learned the content, I spent the prior months being in a state of fear and training like a lawyer. I'd wake up at three in the morning thinking, 
Okay, what if they said this to that response? What about this answer? Here's the possibility of what this individual will say. So I was prepping for three months. So comes the day that I have to do the training. I go to the conference. I get a really nice breakfast for people so they're happy when they're eating. And I make sure any of the tchotchkes I brought to amuse them were not noisy and soft in case they decide to throw one of them at me. And I gave my presentation. And sure enough, they listened. They laughed at some of my jokes. They heard what I had to say. And they basically hated a good chunk of it. At the end of the presentation, there is a small group of people that are still in the back of the room and they are waiting for me. Yeah. I go uh, physically waiting for you, like physically yeah. present and waiting. They are not running back to their desks to get on their. They are waiting for me at the back of the room. All right. So picture those Westerns that you go through. <laughs> yeah. And this lovely woman nominated herself, her name is Betty, to speak for the whole group. And she said, we just want to shake your hand because you are got to be, this is the bravest thing I could ever conceive anyone doing. You're telling us about our money. You did not react. You did not protest. You didn't argue back. You listened. You gave great responses and you made us feel heard and acknowledged. And you gave us some solutions of how we could move forward on this and what was in our control and what wasn't. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you this because it's always stayed with me, that lesson of I didn't give them a line of whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was true. And, and I was and I was practiced. And the reason I had all those answers because I was standing awake at three in the morning for like three months. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kept rolling it out. So it was just lessons. But, you know, it was interesting. We had the best compliance and all the things I had people doing because they knew I cared. And I didn't you know, that wisdom doesn't happen that moment. It happens years later. And my boss is great. I'm still talking to her, even after you put me that through. We're, we're good friends. There. <laughs> <laughs> even after all of that, we still talk. Yeah. And then one small other example is a few years, same group. And what I have to say is those people were engineers. They were about looking at processes and finding holes, and they were all left brain. So very interesting group. Fast forward, I was invited to do a keynote um, about communications to be out of the box, non-typical at a a senior executive conference out West. C-suite, very expensive, 500 people, breakfast keynote first thing in the morning, right after they started the thing. I was given 30 minutes and then had to do a breakout exercise. And while I was preparing for this going, what the heck am I gonna say that's fresh and innovative and they're gonna be exciting? I decided to use my own voice. My Queen's accent came back. The inner dialogue I, I came out about how we um, deal with our communications, particularly our digital ones with our, our email messages not getting answered or no one calling us. And it ended up being fun. And even though I was nervous, of course, the best lesson out of this is I collaborate with people beforehand and got other people's input about how I'd be received and my material. And the second thing I remember about being brave um, now is I made a conscious choice that humans are very simple. We can go in with fear and hate and saying, oh, those people are going to be so angry, just going to like take me out. Or I can go there and say, I'm going to go in there 
anticipating to like the audience and get them to have some fun with me. And it made a big difference. Plus that I made friends for like the two days prior and made sure I knew a lot of people uh, before they got to my session so I could make some friends and, uh, you know, build some rapport. But it was the best lesson to go. Th- it was a 30 minute stand up, basically. It wasn't PowerPoints. It was all visuals. And I had to be me. But we laughed. We looked up. We connected. and We did exactly what I had hoped for. So it was a good lessons learned. Wow. Well, two great stories, Julianne. And I love the minor idea, right, of any time that you have to deliver a tough message that you also potentially, if you can, spend some time getting to know people in advance, right, right? as as opposed to just walking into the room for the first time ever and nobody knowing you or knowing anything about you, getting to know people in advance can help a lot. I I do believe that. And I think we're in Zoom world uh, right now where we're in very extraordinary situations of we're running everything in our life out of one place or one room or a apartment or a house. So we can't anticipate what somebody's experienced behind the curtain. And I think if we're looking to have tough conversations or challenge or even positive ones, we need to invest time before we need to have them. It just doesn't happen in that moment. So it's not wasting your time. It's a good investing your time. So my joke when I was talking to, to staff and clients is if you want to spend less time with employment lawyers and, you know, negotiating negative situations, spend a little time up front building a rapport. And even if you do have to have some tough conversations, people will know where you're coming from, that you're coming from a point of trust and integrity, and that you're invested in a positive solution. Wow. Well, fantastic, Julianne. So thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for your thoughts on bravery and your stories. Are there ways that folks can get in touch with you if they'd like to talk a little bit more about your work or your story? Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn for sure. And uh, my name is J-U-L-I-E-N-N-E B. Ryan. Um, I've spent most of my life spelling my my first name, just to be clarified. So that's one way. You can find me on my uh, webpage, jryanpartners.com. And then my email is jryan at jryanpartners.com. So keep it consistent and simple. But it's it's a beautiful thing. And I'm always in like, this is very different for me, Ed. I'm used to interviewing other people. So this was, you know, <laughs> reverse, reverse chairs and I get to do uh, interview you the next time. There you go. Uh, offer accepted. So, well, thanks again, Julianne, for your time today. Thank you again. Have a great day and be well. Cheers. Terrific. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are everywhere. If you have something to say yet are not saying it, if you have something to do yet are not doing it, now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.